We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Prior to recording this, we were actually talking about favorite pizza. And, and apparently Theo hates cheese pizza. I don't hate it. I hate people whose favorite is cheese pizza. Cheese pizza is an objectively okay thing to eat. It's like a mozzarella stick. But there are better pizzas out there. I'm not saying that, like, there aren't other good pizzas. I'm just saying that, like, cheese, like, just regular pizza is the best pizza. I like Domino's. I like Papa John's. Okay, there's a lot wrong with what you just said. But first of all, (laughs) just plain cheese pizza is barely even pizza. It's like cheese bread. It's not even, like, to say that there is not a single topping that improves cheese pizza is insane to me. It's not that... It's insane to me. If it's the best kind, I assume that it can't get improved. And it can. It obviously can. (laughs) Unless you are a picky eater. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm, of course, joined by the two greatest co-hosts in the world, Matthew Sponhauer and Theo Ash. How are you guys today? I'm good, but could you rank us one and two? Man, you know I don't pick favorites. But it would be me, right? (laughs) Um, You know, before we hop in, (laughs) just a reminder that we are on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. So whatever you're able to do, whether it be subscribe, rate, review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Also, make sure you give at Stay Hot Pod a follow on TikTok. We'll be posting some great content there as well. Um, disregarding Matthew's question, we have a lot we want to talk about today. Um, whether it be, you know, we're going to hop into the NFL a little bit with quarterback camp battles. We have a little bit of a myth we want to bust. But I think it's only appropriate that we discuss the Hawks-Sixers game. 
you know, Ben Simmons, Trey Young. How are we feeling? As somebody who um, spent a large part of the offseason talking about Ben Simmons and the 76ers and whatnot, definitely feel pretty justified uh, right now. But I don't think anybody could have expected the 76ers to go out in the second round of the Hawks um, like this. When they came into the... I mean, I did. <laughs> when they came into the... Like the... When they came into the playoffs, most people had them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I had them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I feel like they would have been there if uh, they could have just gotten their stuff together, but they didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ben Simmons, I I tweeted out a lot about this. He just felt totally useless. Like the last 50-some seconds of the game, he wasn't in because he's just not playable. The missed dunk that he had, which had a lot of dialogue on Twitter, I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, has got to be the most telling like aha moment that I've seen maybe in an NBA game watching that just was so symbolic of everything that had happened before all the problems that they had everything that's wrong about the Sixers just got came to a head during that moment it was actually amazing to see like it was watching that was like oh my god and it's so we, like it was in, my first thought was Markel Fultz and how there have been two number one overall picks in Philly that just like they got they they forgot they they lost it whatever they had and Markel Fultz was the injury but again lots of players come back from injury without forgetting how to shoot and Ben Simmons was never a great shooter but he used to be better than this he wasn't scared and it was just bizarre to me and I I. The mental I don't know how much like the crowd or affected him. I don't know how much maybe social media has I don't know if he's on social media, but everyone has kind of been berating him recently. I don't know what Doc Rivers is telling him or what what the deal is, but I mean that was that was crazy. That was crazy to see I, in yeah. the, the whole environment. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I, I watched some of the press conference of the 76ers and they were not doing a very good job in those press conferences they should have just taken the fine um and not gone up there but Simmons said that he felt like Gallinari was behind him and I absolutely refuse to believe that he thought that what do you I mean? know for a fact he so he's basically saying the Are reason why he passed on... is because he thought he would get okay. on the on that dunk play yeah so the reason he said he passed out is because he thought Gallinari was like right behind him and going to block him. I know he has better court feel than that. I know for a fact he's a great passer. There's no way he's – I mean, Gallinari wasn't even that close. Uh, and even if he was, you should be able to take that up strong if they're behind you. Yeah. So. And at worst, you get like fouled, and but he's scared of probably the free throw line. And yeah. the funny thing is the guy he passed it to, also not exactly the most consistent shooter ever, and he even missed one. So um, – it was just, just a weird game for them. I saw Embiid uh, saying that that was the turning point in the game. And I, yep. And Doc, definitely didn't tell. Doc Rivers say, they asked him if he thought Ben Simmons was a championship caliber point guard. And he said, like, we don't know that. We, we, I, like, it's just a mess. And there's no way Simmons is there next year. Oh, like, you no, cannot not bring them. You cannot bring them back. And his trade value has got to be... I mean, I don't know if there's All a single level. player who is regarded as good that I would trade for Ben Simmons. Like I, literally, I, I, put, I, think I thought that, maybe Fox, but you probably can't do it one for one. You'd have to give up Simmons and probably multiple picks. Would you do that probably. if you were Sacramento? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> that's, that's, that's the yeah. 
I mean, this is this is the problem that the 76ers are facing. There are so few teams. It's not that Simmons is totally worthless. I don't want to make it out like that. Yeah. I think he'll probably come back next year and start playing more like he did before that series. But even then... Especially out of Philly. Especially out of Philly. But even then, the team that trades for him has to be rebuilding, basically. No team that's trying to win right now can justify trading for a guy who did that in the playoffs. And they have to have a center who can shoot. Or they have to think that they can play him at the five, which I don't think you can do. Because, I mean, okay, I've seen people do these like tri- mock trades where he goes to the Pelicans for Brandon Ingram. He can't possibly be on that team. Uh, the only two situations I've seen that I can make any sense of are maybe to Portland if they blow it up, and maybe to the Timberwolves. But it's going to be tough to move him. Yeah, and... The idea that you can like move him to the four or the five, which I know when we were talking about a potential Hornets trade we were thinking of, I mean, that totally gets, you totally question that after you see him in the paint with an open basket and he doesn't take it. So you're like, okay, well, if you can't even, if you're not even doing that, like, what is your use? What is your use? And he has been, I mean, he's made the all-star team like every single year. Like he is, he can be useful. Like there is a reason he has been there. And but like when the playoffs come around, you just need someone who is not scared and not, I mean, he took what, like six shot attempts in a fourth quarter. And it's like, you just can't rely on him. And he's going to have to prove, he's going to have to prove that he's going to shake, he's going to have to shake that monkey off his back. And he's not going to have a chance to do that before he's going to get traded. So maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but right now we don't know. And you've got to make a trade for him, hoping that it that it happens eventually, and he does snap also, out of Theo, it. Also, he didn't, he didn't take six shot attempts in the fourth quarter. He took six shot attempts in the entirety of fourth quarter playoffs. Right, like right. <laughs> it is hard to get out of your own head, and that's what he's going to have to do. Yeah. So, and especially for a guy who's never really gotten better since his rookie year, like he doesn't have this history of like working his way out of uh, any kind of hole. He just kind of has steadily gotten worse. And now for going on like five years into it, he's going to actually have to like make a big jump up. And I mean, he's never been able to do that. Absolutely. So, I mean, Embiid's kind of the number one there. We, we've all always known that. Do you think that Embiid kind of, yeah. is, you know, is Embiid the kind of player that can actually be a number one in the same way that like Giannis is and that Trey Young has been for the Hawks? Do you think Embiid, or should they, should the Sixers try and get a player who can really take over that offense in a different type of way? You know, I one thing that's always bothered me is that people will say Embiid and Simmons aren't a very good fit. It's not Embiid. It, it's not him. Why? Like the reason why they're a bad fit is because Ben Simmons can struggle to do a lot of things. Okay. Embiid's interesting. I mean, in a perfect world, if you're a championship level team, you want your best player to be a perimeter creator. And I'm not saying that Embiid doesn't do that, but he is much better off in like the dunker position, working down low in the basket, meaning that they're going to need another high-level perimeter creator to pair with him. Uh, but I absolutely do think he could be the best player on a championship team. It just needs to be built better around him. I'm, I'm not going to change my opinion totally heavily fair. on him based on uh, this series. I mean, he had a good shot at winning MVP you, this year. You've said you'd rather have Embiid than Giannis. I, I, I'm going back and forth on that. It's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Giannis is going to the Eastern Conference Finals right now. It's easy to say that, but I also think Giannis has a better built team around him. 
That's fair. Yeah, I mean, Giannis, over the past three years, Giannis has more points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game. His efficiency is better. His offensive and defensive rating is better. And now he's led his team farther. So, <laughs> you, the, like, like, if you look at it like that, yeah, that's probably a Giannis thing. But I do think that there is something to be said where, like, I do think Embiid kind of does have a little bit of a more well-rounded skill set, even though... Although, even at three-point percentage, Embiid over the last three years is at like 33%, and Giannis is at 29 so it's not some huge difference. So, well, yeah, yeah, like 100%. I feel like the big difference between Embiid and Giannis is Giannis has kind of done this for the last three years playing at this level, and this is Embiid's first season where he's really at that peak MVP level, so you probably want to stick with the guy who's been doing it for a little bit longer. Yeah, but that being said, I do think, I mean, this is kind of goes into Bucks versus Nets. I never watched Giannis and felt like he was totally on and he was like totally making this huge positive, imp- obviously was making a positive Im- impact. But when I looked at the numbers after the games and I saw that he had dropped like 35 and 12, it just, the numbers didn't match what I thought I was seeing on the court. And the, imp- the positive impact on the stat sheet looked a little bit better than the positive impact that I saw on the court. So that's the only thing where it's like, yes, statistically, it's hard to make a case against Giannis. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, he, he <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen a tweet that says Giannis has no bag over the past <laughs> week or so. Um, but I think there is something to be said that, that Joel does seem to like... When it comes to eye test, I do think Embiid passes it sometimes a little bit better. I don't know. Does I don't know what your thoughts on that would be, Matt. I, I think that, that that description fits pretty well for Simmons because I made a comment that Simmons seems totally useless on the court, and a lot of people brought up, oh, he had 13 assists. How is that useless? It's because he had 13 assists off of like just not being able to score and just passing off. And it's like if you watch the game, you can see that he's not really contributing to the offense. Yeah, you can. I think that's kind of fair. Like, if he has like thirteen and ten, it can look like a good. It can look yeah. kind of like kind of a salvageable game, but it those it's thirteen not. and ten <laughs> didn't really impact any. Giannis is on a different. Obviously, Giannis is better than Ben Simmons, but like, right? Yeah, there no, are we're times not where to I'm like, Giannis and yeah, ben yeah, yeah. Simmons. There are just times <laughs> where I'm watching Giannis, and it's like I'm watching Giannis, and it's like I don't know if the impact matches. And there were multiple times, like, my timeline on Twitter was, like, kind of questioning Giannis, and he ended up winning the series, which is very good on him, and he said, I don't know, what are your, Matt, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about this. I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I think you're kind of right. When you watch the game, for sure, like, everybody was hyping up Kevin Durant that whole game and not Giannis, and then you check the scoreboard and you're like, oh my god, he had 40. Giannis had 40 points. Um... But I feel like that's because some of his baskets are just less interesting. I really think it comes down to that. When Kevin Durant goes and gets a bucket, he's going to go rise up over one of the best defenders in the league and hit this sweet mid-ranger. Or Embiid's going to, you know, do this turnaround fade or, like, work somebody in the post. But a lot of Giannis's points come off stuff that's just as valuable, but maybe not as interesting to watch. Like, okay, Giannis has a really good putback. Giannis has a really good cut that gets him open, and it seems like an easy play that's less interesting to watch, but really, I mean, two points is two points. Um, I do think that there is, it's a little easier. Like, if you think of Giannis making a play, like some of his, I don't know how to word this, I do think that when Giannis 
shoots from perimeter, it's more memorable for me. Like that's the number one thing. I'm like, ooh, that's a. Let me let me get back at that. I'm trying to figure out how to word that. I think that also sometimes when Giannis shoots from the perimeter, that sticks in your brain a little bit more because you're always questioning whether or not that's the right play. But I feel like it's more being biased as a fan because of what's interesting to watch rather than it is Giannis not making an impact dropping 40 points. He, yeah, he's getting more I think that's probably yeah. I think that's probably fair. And, I mean, you, you can look at even, like, his dunks are exciting. Like, Embiid had this breakaway, like, big dunk that happened, and it was a big Embiid highlight, and I saw it posted on Twitter a bunch of times. And Giannis does that, like, three or four times a game. Exactly. So, it's yeah, it's it's kind of both. They both got their skill sets. I think Embiid is a little bit more of like a is a little bit more di- diverse. His points come in a little bit more of a diverse way, which can make it appear. But yeah, being really really good at one thing, which is driving, is is a good thing yeah. to be good at. So yeah, I, I I would have to leave. I know earlier we kind of hinted that it was Embiid, but you know now that I've kind of taken a step back and really looked at it i think Giannis has got the much better argument so yeah i i somebody questioned me about that earlier and i said Embiid, but um i think you gotta at least see Embiid do it for another year before you really start I, I to think put him in part that of conversation. it also Giannis might have higher expectations it's it you know back-to-back mvp defensive player of the year the expectation is to be the best player on the court at all times so anytime that he's a step behind that it's like oh he's not playing up to par. So, and I think LeBron gets kind of that same treatment sometimes. Speaking of LeBron James, I have a myth that I want you guys to bust for me. Kevin Durant, his legacy is a little bit in question. It's being compared to LeBron, you know, not being, you know, with him not being able to get out of the East with injuries. Do you think that's fair? I, uh, I talked to somebody about this earlier. And the problem is that LeBron fans have had people tell them, like, oh, it's LeBron's fault, he's not winning a championship, and bring up finals record a ton. And then all of a sudden this year, Curry's team sells Curry, and Kevin Durant's team sells Kevin Durant. Like, they can't, they they choke the games away when those guys are playing fantastic. And LeBron fans want their get back right now. They do. They want to to come out here and say, oh, I thought we were supposed to win no matter what. And uh, you're seeing a lot of, you know, fans of other players turn around and say, well, I thought, we were, you know, it was based on how well they played. So it's definitely a big shift for at least NBA Twitter right now. I don't think it's fair to hold this against Kevin Durant. He dropped, what, 49, 48 points? Totally ridiculous. He played one of the be- best, like, basketball yeah. games ever. He, he, <laughs> like, was, he was a shoe size too big from hitting, like, the greatest game winner of all time. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was it was tough to see him miss that shot and overtime where mm. he like spun around and it was an air ball, but he played like a combined hundred minutes in the last couple games or whatever. So you can't blame him. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that LeBron, like if 2018 LeBron did what, you know, or he did do what Kevin Durant did. And like, it's not real difference where like LeBron was on some another, another level as KD was as like individual players. They're obviously like not on different levels. They were both playing at about as high a level as you can play the sport of basketball. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. It's not on you. When you're playing at the highest level that anyone can possibly play, 
that's what you can do. <laughs> like if if they if you lose, that's that's yeah. sorry. Point at Joe Harris. And yep. Don't point at Durant. That, that's hundred percent the way that it is. But that's not interesting enough. That's not good for Twitter. That's not going to get you a bunch no, of likes on Twitter, yeah. right? Be like, well, no, you know. it's not going to get you a bunch of likes on Twitter. Well, it might give you, Matt. It might give you a bunch of likes on Twitter. Yeah, but it won't give. Uh, it might. Give, it won't give icy LeBron season uh, and uh, LeBron goat burner a bunch of likes on Twitter. The uh, the one positive I see out of the Nets losing, and this may might be a little bit of a hot take. I think that putting Kevin Durant in a position where he consistently needs to play literally the entire game with his injury history was probably not the best thing long term. And it might be better that he didn't have to do that for like two more series. I really I, I thought he was going to get hurt for sure. I can see that. And the other thing, I think injuries that people chalk them up to luck. And I think that that's kind of a discredit to training, like training staffs and coaching staffs, because I think of the Nets and how injured they were. And I have to wonder, did their training staff really do the best possible job they could? And did the coaching staff really make the best possible decisions they could on when everyone was coming back? And I don't know what the Nets will look like next year. Will all the big three come back? But I mean, I think they're going to be dangerous next year with a full actual full offseason. Um because there is just, I mean, people are dropping like flies because of this, maybe, maybe because of the short off season, but I don't know. I feel like the athletic training staff of the Nets is not, is going to get a pretty much, no one's going to talk about the athletic training staff, but like, I do think that they probably, the Nets just did not handle their injuries super well. And I don't think it was all just luck either. What I think it is, is fans and maybe front offices too. I really don't know, tend to ignore a player being injury prone until it actually happens. So the Nets are a super team, no doubt, but they built their team from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two really injury-prone players. Kevin Durant coming off you know, a huge injury and Kyrie Irving. I don't remember the last time that he just played a full season, played in the playoffs, no problem. Um, so yeah, part of it is the shortened season. In fact, most of it's the shortened season, and they were put in a really tough position. But that is part of the risk that they took when they built their team around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it sucks that they can't play all the time, um, but it is something you have to take, in, take into consideration. Can I say something? On the high-pitched takes account a while back before the playoffs, I guaranteed the Nets would win the finals. <laughs> and I added, the cav- I added this little asterisk. I said the only thing that can stop them is injuries. They are a guaranteed finals win unless they get hurt. And when the Nets got out, I, was bump- I have never received hate. <laughs> and people taking a victory lap on me like I like that that account. If you guys can, you have access to it, yeah. so you can go look at the comments oh, I, there. I've seen them. And how? <laughs> yes, it's a ridiculous amount. It's hundreds and hundreds of comments calling me a clown for saying the the nets were a lock unless they get hurt, which is not even a bad t- like. I literally did not miss on that one. That is true. They were a lock. I would do it again. And if they come back in twenty twenty two and it's the same core, I'll guarantee it again. And uh, I just want to get that off my chest, that that was not a miss. I, I stand by that. I did add the if healthy caveat. And that is, uh, 
Yeah, that's, our, our producer just put that's in the chat. Just something that's he annoying. Says, now you know how Bladen feels when getting murdered for ice cream takes. I well, was gonna, I was, was going to say that um, that's exactly what happened to me when the Saints cleared their cap. But I was right. You're you're, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you're getting torn apart for something that is objectively the incorrect opinion. And I wait, wait. Which one are we talking about? On. Which one are we talking about? The ice cream? The lemon ice cream? That, and yeah, lemon ice cream. Theo, you said that you've never received hate before. That no, I've never I received that much on a video. Okay, I've, ne- I've received a ton of hate before. That's He's received hate. He's never received that victory lap type of... Like, no, yeah, people taking so. a victory lap on me. Because people hate me when I give the opinion all the time. Like, I think that Joe Burrow's not... When I said Joe Burrow, I didn't think he had a very big arm. Everyone came at me, but then no one, no one's coming at me at the end of the season when he has is the worst deep-passing quarterback in the league. No one's coming at me again and being like, you were wrong, you were wrong. This was the one where everyone just piled on me. Like, look at how wrong Theo was. Like, I've never had that happen to me before. And I wasn't even wrong. I wasn't even wrong. I was right there with you. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought that they were a lock if they stayed healthy. I did talk a couple of times on my personal TikTok about how I thought that it was less likely that they stayed healthy than maybe people were considering. Um, but that's the way that it is. It's people, not fun people, to, it's not people fun hate to project nets. injuries. People are not. It's not fun. To, like obviously, I'm going to say if they're healthy. Like obviously, like. The Hawks will beat the Bucks if Giannis gets hurt. I'm not going to project Giannis. Like, you want to project things when everyone's healthy. Anyway. Absolutely. Going into the conference finals. uh, In the West, we have the Suns and the Clippers. Um, I think a lot of us are leaning Suns here. I could be wrong. Yeah, I got Suns. I feel pretty good about it. I mean, after watching that first game, I think CP3 will be back. Maybe. May, I mean, it's it's just a guess at this point. Right. It seems like CP3 will be back before Kawhi. And, um, I mean, the Suns looked great even without CP3, which, you know, probably came to a big surprise to a lot of the people who thought that Booker was less valuable than CP3 the whole season and how that's been a narrative, which I've kind of ignored because I don't want to, like hate on Chris Paul like I'm fine yeah. if people think Chris Paul is awesome Paul but is it always has been Booker Booker's always been the best player on the Suns and Booker's still there Booker is literally playing like he's Kobe right now it's ridiculous the dude is nuclear um I think the Suns have got it yeah I know a lot From of what people I've... were saying that the Clippers oh they've been down 0-2 before but now they don't have Kawhi and if the Suns get CP3 back I think it's it's over well you know it's it's a lot different. I think the big difference maker between uh, the Jazz series, the Mavericks series, and the Suns series is that I think DeAndre Ayton is not going to let them get away with things like Nick Batum at the five for extended periods of time and things like that. Uh, from what I've heard, Chris Paul is day-to-day for game two. I don't know how that is. It seems like it would be a certain amount of time since he got covid um, but if there's some chance he's back for game two, that's really good. And you got to figure he'd be back for game three no matter what. Whereas with Kawhi, all I've heard is he's trying to get back as quick as possible. And he has a knee injury. Yeah. And if they rush that back, that could be dangerous. We, we, Whereas with Chris se- Paul. We've seen that before. Yeah, it's like he's just out with COVID and doesn't seem to have any symptoms. So when he comes back, you got to figure he'll be less likely to get re-injured. I think I saw a TikTok of Chris Paul at home, yeah. like yeah. dancing. Yeah, with his he kids. seemed pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> like he seemed like okay. So, yeah, I think once we get Chris Paul back, um, Booker is just f- so phenomenal, and watching him play is just a blast. He's just 
amazing. I love Devin Booker. I'm a big Devin Booker guy. The coolest, but I think the Suns, and I don't even know what I'm going to do if the Suns are in the finals. I did not expect to be in this position. Like, like, do, do I go back? Do I go yes. to the finals? You got to like, go. I, you you got to yeah, go. You absolutely have to go. Yeah, I kind of do. That would be a really rare opportunity and something I should probably Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. Chris Paul is 36 years old. I right. don't know if the Suns have a great path to improve if something happens to him. Uh, and even then, who knows if they can make another run again? It's hard to get back to the finals. You got, and, and they've got, yeah. I mean, they should have home court. I don't know what the records are. I don't know exactly how that stacks up, but they might have home court in the finals. So you got to go. I, I, it, it, I yeah. keep saying, it's if the Browns go so to the Super expensive. Bowl, I'm there. Well, this, if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, I'd definitely go. It's just that the Suns. I was a fan of the Suns last year was the first time I was a fan of the Suns. Last year. So it's not <laughs> like I'm this like long-term Suns fan. I don't feel like I deserve to go. I don't. I feel like there is a bigger Suns fan than me. I, I love the Suns, and I'm having a blast watching them. But it's like, man, am I a big enough Suns fan? Screw just all spend, that. Like, oh, screw that. Okay. No, if, who cares? It, it, you know, move, You're right. Okay, so we're, we're going to predict that the Suns are probably going to win. What, Suns in five? Suns in six. Uh, Suns in. I, well, I'll say Suns in seven, just to be just my to be pessimistic safe. self. I, I, mean, I do think that the Suns. Have I don't want to give the Clippers no credit because Paul George is playing fantastic right yes. now. They're going oh, to get great. a game, um, yeah. but it just yes. comes down to those like that last stretch that they had in Game One, where you're relying on guys like Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum to make big time shots. Not trying to hate on those guys. Reggie Jackson's been playing better than I thought he would. Nick Batum's been playing hey, better Cousins. than I thought he would. Cousins even had some good minutes too. Um, but it's just tough to have those guys be taking big time shots, you know? Yeah. Especially when the Suns are so deep and just do not yeah. have to deal with like, yeah. yeah. But anyway, if they get to the finals, I'll have a big decision to make. And you well, know, maybe yeah, they got to get there first. If, if it's Suns, they got to get there first. You can just, couldn't that, you, you could stay. Suns bucks would be awesome. That, that's for me. the perfect, Suns, that's oh, perfect scenario for you. You got like, if it's Suns bucks, then. You'll never have a better chance to go to the finals. That'll, that matchup will almost certainly <laughs> never happen again. I say that, and then three years hey. from now it'll happen again. And, yeah. and clipped, it's Wisconsin but. sports versus the Suns. I can't, like, if, I, if the Suns are going to get beat in the finals, I hope it's to the Bucks because I do, I do like the Bucks. But go Suns. Anyway, I, I'll have a big decision to make if they beat the Clippers, and I'll, I'll have to think of something. Maybe I'll ask people for money. I might do it. So Hawks-Bucks then. Do do you think the Bucks are are going to win this series? I kind of feel like I I've been picking the Hawks all playoffs. I think I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think the Bucks can win this series. Okay. I think do, that do is you in think the realm they of possibility. Yes, I think they will win the series. I think they will. Yeah, they're going to I'm I'm feeling pretty good about them winning the series. I mean, right now we're at a point where I just think whichever team stays healthiest is going to win it all, but that's not an interesting prediction. I really don't know what the Hawks winning this series looks like. Not to pick against them, because I am super high on Trey Young, and I'm super happy to see them make the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't necessarily love Clint Capella trying to stop Giannis. I really wish they had DeAndre Hunter right now, uh, and they don't, and that's killer. Uh, It's just, it's an uphill battle for them. Yeah, it seemed like the last series was more the Sixers losing the series than the Hawks really winning the series, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. And you had a lot of guys like step up and have a big game, like Herter had a big game and Lou Williams had a big game. Uh, So they're just going to need a lot to break their way. I think they get a game. 
Uh, I still don't like, uh, really love what Coach Bud does with the offense when things get difficult. Um, and, and to some extent, the Nets weren't that well prepared to defend the Bucks, and they took it to seven. So maybe I'm underrating Clint Capella because he did. He, he's a very good defender. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Giannis is just tough to stop. All, all I'm saying, probably would you ha- would you have picked the Sixers to beat the Bucks? Dude, I had no, no clue. I don't think so, though. I don't think looked, the Sixers just looked so disjointed. They looked so so just not <laughs> built well. They did not look like a team that like the talent on paper looks like they should like be a contender. But like you watch them and you watch what Simmons was doing, and it just seemed frustrated. And the, the yeah, I I think I would have picked the Bucks either way. Um, and I'm glad it's Hawks Bucks because I think it's good for the Hawks to get this like publicity of being in the Eastern Conference Finals because next year. I mean, moving to Atlanta, playing with Trey Young on a team that is very close to making the finals, I could see that being a very, very attractive pitch 100% for some all-star wing, some like you know big player. And then next year, and the Hawks made a lot of moves. This I really like the offseason that the Hawks had last year. I didn't expect them to go this far, but like you were like, man, that team, that Hawks team is going to shoot the lights out. It's it looks dangerous. I didn't expect them to go this far. And um, but I think that the Hawks next year could really woo in Atlanta, especially that city could woo someone really good. I don't know who that would be, but I think people want I think NBA players might want to live in Atlanta. All right. Is that a hot take? (laughs) I would want to live like Atlanta seems awesome. I think that the big takeaway for Atlanta, even if things don't go their way, this series uh, is that Trey Young is that guy in the playoffs. And that's what's important. The guy that they have gets it done in the playoffs and exceeds expectations. Um, but I, I will say the one thing I want to give them credit for, they've done a great job against amazing defenses. And they're going up against another amazing defense. Uh, so I have no reason to believe that they can't do it again. Uh, they're going to throw a lot at Trey Young, I'm sure. I just, even, even, even as somebody who would like to see the Hawks, I mean, it'd be sweet if they made the finals. Um, I'm probably, you just got to give this one to the Bucks. I think there's just a... A talent difference, and they're they they're more experienced. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'd give this one. The talent gap is is pretty severe. Um, so maybe maybe the Bucks coaching staff chokes it away. One of the weirdest things I've ever heard in my life was right before that game, that Kevin Durant game tying shot. The announcer said, "Do you put Giannis on him, or do you keep PJ Tucker on him?" <laughs> or they posed that question before the. And like, why is that even a question that is getting discussed right now? <laughs> like, why is that even mentioned? I don't understand. So, yeah, the, maybe the co- if if the if they go down like at any point in the series, <laughs> their coach might get fired. But yeah, the talent gap is too much to overcome. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I got to stick with the Hawks. I've been picking them all, all throughout the playoffs. <laughs> Even <laughs> I, though I it goes it. against all logic to pick them, because I've been all for just take the team with the better talent, I, I, I got to go with the Hawks. I, 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 I got to stick with them. A little bit of a hot take. So you, you would say that the Atlanta Hawks are more talented than the 76ers. I, it's, it's not necessarily that they're, they're it's like, uh, again, like Theo said, on paper, the Sixers should be more talented, but Ben Simmons is such a liability that it ends up being like a wash, basically. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's the craziest take to say that the Bucks um, could lose to the Hawks. I'm not going to pick it, but the Hawks are the better coach team. 
and you've seen the Bucks make a lot of dumb mistakes on offense. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have been really spotty. Um, but yeah, their three I've, pointing, sh- their three point shooting has been really bad this whole playoffs. Pretty much, they they shot well yeah, last game. The Bucks shot well from three last game. Yeah, but. and there was some Bryn Forbes game. But anyway, yeah, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Before before we hop into the NFL, um, prior to recording this, we were actually talking about favorite pizza. Um, and, and apparently Theo hates cheese pizza. And I, I'm just I don't <laughs> hate it. I hate people whose favorite is cheese pizza. Cheese pizza is an objectively okay thing to eat. It's like a mozzarella stick. It's, but there are better pizzas out there. I, I, it's, I'm not saying that, like, there aren't other good pizzas. I'm just saying that, like, cheese, like, just regular pizza is the best pizza. Okay, where from? See, I, that's what... That, I made the TikTok about this. I haven't been to enough pizza places to pick, like, a favorite pizza place. I like Domino's. I like Papa John's. Like, there... If you... <laughs> okay. Okay, there's a lot wrong with what you just said. But first of all, <laughs> just plain cheese pizza is barely even pizza. It's like cheese bread. It's not even, a th- like, to say that there is not a single topping that improves cheese uh, pizza is insane to me. It's not that... It's insane to me. I, I don't know. I just if, don't... If it's, if it's the best kind, I assume that it can't get improved. And it can. It obviously can. <laughs> unless you are a picky eater. I, I like um, I like pepperoni. I think pepperoni's pepperoni is good. I like bacon. I think okay. bacon is good. My problem isn't that it doesn't okay. taste as good. My problem is that it it feels greasy. I feel disgusting after eating pepperoni or bacon pizza. That's valid. That's why I like margarita pizza. That's my favorite. The grilled chicken, spinach, and then like the tomatoes on there. I feel like it it doesn't get as greasy for some reason. That's why it's my favorite. Yeah, I guess you could say the like grease factor, like adding a meat lover is like <laughs> a bunch of like fried food to a pizza or whatever. Probably, maybe that's valid. But the thing is, you're eating pizza. You can't be eating like cheese pizza and be like, I'm a picture of health. Like, <laughs> n- like it's it's just not, some pepperoni is not going to move the needle there. I don't know, pepperoni. And, and green peppers. Green, you got to put peppers on the pizza. Pizza and pepper is so good together. Like, I don't like green peppers, peppers on a pizza, red peppers on a pizza, any kind of pepper. I'll eat peppers just straight up plain. Dude peppers are like vegetable. apples, just like takes a bite out of a pepper. <laughs> What's everyone's thought on Hawaiian pizza? It's pretty good. I've never it gets, had Hawaiian gets, pizza, but I, it, it's I not my on. favorite. It's a, I'm in a weird middle ground where everyone is like pineapple on pizza is either great or it's just the most disgusting thing ever. I think it's fine. It's it's not something I order just like over something else. But if it's there, I'll have no problem eating like a Hawaiian pizza. I think it tastes all right. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have a problem eating a Hawaiian pizza either. I've, I want to try barbecue chicken on pizza. I feel like that would be the best pizza I've good. ever had. It's pretty good. We made it at the movie theater. When I worked at the movie theater, we had to make, for some weird reason, we, our concessions were very limited, except for the pizzas, in which case we had, like, margarita pizza and a bunch of random stuff. And we had to make a bunch of different kinds of pizzas for some reason at this movie theater. And the barbecue the barbecue chicken was always pretty good. Love to hear it. All right. Well, we're going to hop into some NFL QB camp battles. Um, just kind of the main ones. Starting off with... Um, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to project Jameis to win it, but I don't think that should be necessarily a guarantee. 
I think that Sean Payton likes Taysom Hill being Taysom yeah. Hill. <laughs> I think he likes using Taysom Hill as Taysom Hill, and I don't think he would just have him as the starting quarterback, which would limit him from using Taysom Hill in the Taysom Hill way. I think Sean Payton uses Taysom Hill to look smarter than everyone else, to be like, <laughs> look how creative I am using Taysom Hill as instead of Alvin Kamara, or look at me throw to Taysom Hill instead of Michael Thomas. And I think he feels so sneaky and smart, and I don't think it is very sneaky and smart, but I think that's what he likes about Taysom Hill. I don't think that he thinks Taysom Hill is like this great quarterback, because he's not. I think he just likes using mid tight end. So I think Jameis Winston will win the battle, and Taysom Hill will continue to just be Taysom Hill. I think that's a fair assessment. I think that, from what I've seen at least, Jameis Winston stretches the field a little bit more, or a good bit more, than Taysom Hill, and that's the big thing that the Saints were lacking with Drew Brees, is that, you know, obviously, super smart, pinpoint accurate, short intermediate throws, uh, but you want to stretch the field a little bit, make life a little bit easier for everybody else on the offense. Uh, So I'd go with Jameis, probably. I would project Jameis as well, and if he does win it, I I keep saying this, Michael Thomas, Offensive Player of the Year. I I full-heartedly believe that. He could he could get a crazy amount of targets. That's what I'm saying. He could get a crazy amount of targets. <laughs> It'll be his most the most volume he's ever had. I disagree with that, but what? Eh, <laughs> nah, I won't get into it. <laughs> you know, I don't think it'll be the most. I don't think he'll have more volume than he did a couple. Uh, years maybe ago. not that in terms of like of targets, but in terms of like deep volume. Maybe yeah, that. Yeah, I, sure. I think yeah. his like average depth of target is going to be stupid. But moving on to the Broncos, they got Teddy and Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke ends up starting the season, but there's a good chance that he just looks bad, like by week five, and they just like they just bench him, and they're just like, "Yeah, you're done," and Teddy finishes out the season. Or maybe you get like a Ryan Fitzpatrick to a situation where maybe Drew Locke starts a game, and if they're down in the fourth, they put Teddy in. But Matt should know this better than anyone. Teddy isn't you know a guy that's going to win you games. Well, I just, I, I would say that I'd start Teddy Bridgewater from day one. As somebody who's been really critical of Teddy Bridgewater. That's the first I'm good Teddy thing Bridgewater. I've ever heard you say. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't agree with the idea that Teddy Bridgewater, well, he doesn't win you games, but he doesn't lose you games. He loses you games from being too conservative. You can do that. Um, but when you have a great defense like the Broncos do, a guy who maybe is a little bit more big play prone, but more turnover prone, can really kill you sometimes when you just need to get the 17, 20 points to win. I think the Broncos have a lot of playmakers on that offense. Um, so I do like Teddy a little bit more. And I, I don't think he'll do that bad with the Broncos if he starts. Yeah, and I'm doing a video right now. My next uh, Theo Ash NFL video is I'm watching some Drew Locke film. I haven't gotten that done yet. But the thing about Locke is that when he is under pressure, he guns it down the field, and he just you, you're not that guy. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you're not, that, not guy. that guy. Like, yeah, you're not that guy, pal. Like Aaron Rodgers does that. Josh Allen does that. Mahomes does that. When they're under pressure, they look down the field, and that's smart because you have to kind of bring in you know coverage people if you're gonna pressure them, right. so that opens stuff up. So it's smart to do if you have the facilities for that. And I just don't think that Drew Locke totally does. So Drew Locke has, a, he I, has I, an arm. I, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, from a pure talent standpoint, like, yeah, he is a talented guy. 
Um, but like, there's just so much more that goes right. into it, and it's it's not just like how far you can throw it. Does that make you good under pressure? Like, no. So I, I I agree with Matt where it's like with the defense that they have. I mean, maybe if he lights up training camp, it's t- it's tough to know. Um, but I would just go with Bridgewater, try to win as many games with like 20 points as possible. And just try not to let Locke screw it up. And I think Did, I think I agree with Matt. Now, do I? I think Locke will win it. I would start Bridgewater. I think they will start Locke, and then pro- Locke might get benched. I would agree. My, yeah. my only concern yeah. with starting Bridgewater is if you do that, I feel like you totally give up on Locke. And if you have any, if you have any belief as a coaching staff that Locke could be your franchise guy, I think you have to start him week one. He's a second round pick. He was not this first overall guy. He I, I, was I a know, second round I, I, pick. But like you played him all of last season and the <laughs> season before. He's wild. He's not he's not smart. He's like how much longer do you want it? you get one year, you get one shot at this great defense probably. There's so many free agents that they have. He had his it's second round pick. This is not some f- like guaranteed future <laughs> franchise guy. I and they'll have preseason. They'll have training camp to like compare him does he look better this training camp or last training camp you know like does he look better than he was last year and you make your decision on that i guess so it's not like he will have zero chance before the season starts but i feel like you just have such a good defense you can't be you don't want a quarterback who's just gonna throw it away you want a quarterback who can at least keep it steady no that's totally fair um i guess at most keep it steady (laughs) (laughs) yeah steady teddy so moving on to the Bears, got Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And, you know, Matt Nagy has already said that Andy Dalton will be the starter. I don't think he's really, I don't think he's like, you know, trying to throw a smoke screen or anything. I think Dalton will probably be the starter week one. Um, but I wanted to throw out their first six games, right? Because we talked about maybe you don't want to throw Justin Fields out against, you know, the defenses like the Dolphins and the Rams. Well, they go, you know, in, in order, they go Dolphins, Bills, at Titans, at Rams, and they go Bengals, Browns. Is it unreasonable to think that week five against the Bengals, maybe they start Fields because he's not going up against, you know, one of the five best defenses in football? I feel like with rookie quarterbacks, it's nice to maybe have them go to a game or whatnot. Like, okay, regular season game, you're not playing, but here's the environment. Slowly work him in a little bit. But Andy Dalton is pretty rough. <laughs> at this point in his career. And I, I'll make maybe a little bit of a bold take. I think this will be kind of a Tyrod Taylor situation where it's like he's the bridge quarterback, but then immediately it's going to be clear. Well, Tyrod got a medical issue. He was... He I'm, got, I'm, not, I'm not talking about with the Chargers. I'm talking about more with the Browns. That's on me. Oh, yeah. oh okay. But, well, yeah, well, it was a medical the issue with they the Browns, took him out too. Yeah, apparently he fault. had a concussion. But a lot of... Yeah, okay. So I don't, I don't mean to hate on Tyrod Taylor. But there's often times where it's like, this is our bridge quarterback. And then immediately it's like, I don't see the point of him just like playing a bunch of time. And I feel like it's going to be lit with the Bears. Because the Bears were a playoff team uh, last year. And they're, they want to win games now. It's not like they just totally don't care. Uh, I right. think Fields they're, will they're probably... They're a playoff team. The idea of like, Dalton is our starter no matter what before you even get Fields you know, in camp and really see what he can do in preseason... I don't know. I, I, I see that as just committing too early when you don't really know uh, for yeah. sure who's going to be better. And that's fine. They're doing that just to have some stability at the quarterback position. But I, I would I would expect Fields to start sooner rather than later. 
And this coaching staff is on very thin ice. And if they start like one and two, which is very possible against when you're playing the Browns and you're playing the Rams right away, like if they kind of start in a little bit of a hole, like they're coaching for their jobs and they may never get a chance to coach Justin Fields if they stick with Dalton for a long time and they go six and 11, Yeah, you know? So I think that, yeah, they might start out with Dalton. He might be the martyr against the... He might be the martyr against the Rams, and maybe the Rams eat him alive. I don't know. Um, but after that, I could definitely see, what week like... do they play the Rams? They play the Rams week they, four. Week one. They, week. they play the Dolphins oh, wait, week no. one and the Rams week four. Or unless I have that... What I see is, I see Rams, Bengals, Cleveland, Lions on this graphic here. Are you, you looking at preseason? You're, are you looking at the first three games that are preseason as the first three I, weeks? I'm looking at the first 2021 no, season... Yeah, September I might have. 12th, I might have. Rams, the, I might have the preseason games. Then yeah, yeah uh, for <laughs> sure. If that's their game plan, saying Dalton's a starter no matter what because they don't want Fields to be the starter against the Rams in his very first game. Good call. Very good call. That's yeah. Don't put him in against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey game yeah. one. Um, confidence is so important for a position like this, and you can mess a guy up by putting him uh, in a situation like that. I'm not saying that this hurt Tua long-term, but you saw the Dolphins do that with Tua, and it was just a tough game for him because those are tough guys to go up against. Yeah. Did they win that game? They may have won that they game. They won that game because it was nothing. super crazy. Their defense yes. won them that game. They had like a special defense. teams well, touchdown. Yeah. It was- Jared Goff, right, Jared Goff, they did cover zero, and Jared Goff <laughs> just didn't know what to do because they just sent the house at him every play, and Goff just had yeah. no idea what was doing. But Tua, yes, Tua did not have a great game there either. He's through like 80 yards. Right. But, yeah, it's tough. And but I think like again with a coaching staff that's so thin um and like such on such thin ice, they just got to you got to see what you have in Fields because Dalton's not yeah. winning you enough games to keep their job. So we will see Fields, guaranteed. We'll see Fields by week like 5, I think. All right. So, yeah, to round out the carousel of Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, um kind of a similar situation I feel like with maybe Dalton and Fields. Um the 49ers' first three games are at Lions, at Eagles, at, and then they play the Packers. And those, oh, that's easy. I skipped the preseason one this time. Uh, <laughs> Good. But do, do you, I figure Lance probably gets the start at some point this year. Well, Jimmy G's so injury-prone um, that they might just get that from there. Jimmy G's a lot better than Dalton is. I do think Lance is more likely to, because to, Kyle Shanahan is not on any kind of hot, spe- hot seat, and Lance does, you know, coming from a, you know, one game, one year starter from a small school, probably needs a little bit more time to sit than Justin Fields, who was cutting his teeth at OSU for a long time. So I could definitely see like Lance sitting maybe even the whole season. That's somewhere where I could see it. And, but yeah. I think Jimmy G will probably get hurt. My, my thing is like, they play the Lions week one. Like, come on! You, let let me let me see Trey Lance go at it against Detroit. <laughs> I, I want I want to see Trey Lance go at it against one of the worst rosters in football. I do want to see that. Um, but you know, if they want, I, I think you know maybe maybe you wait on Garoppolo to see you know if Shanahan just at some point gets fed up or if he gets hurt maybe. But man, I kind of want to start him. I could one. see Shanahan getting fed up with Jimmy G. It didn't seem like. The, I mean, it's not like McVay like was actually done with golf. Yeah, I've, and I also think Lance is kind of a football genius. I kind of think Lance is like really, really smart and can pick up on things quickly. And he's more talented than Jimmy G. So if they feel like Lance 
has a better football IQ by the time the season rolls around than Jimmy G. Like he might just be the better quarterback, but I, kind of I just don't know one. if they throw him in so early. But I don't know. I could see that. Maybe, going maybe you way. test there it out with one the preseason. More. Maybe you test it out with the preseason. But well, yeah, you definitely test it out with the preseason. <laughs> but there is definitely one more quarterback battle that we got to talk about, which is Cam. And oh Mac my Jones. god, Stop. Cam and Mac. <laughs> Uh, I think the report I saw at a training camp is that I just think that the the Patriots would be more comfortable with Mac Jones because of because of their scheme. And I know they changed it last year, but for a long time and they had the most success with the Mac Jones type of offense than a Cam Newton type of offense. And I do wonder how much that plays into it because I do think that they would be more comfortable doing that. I don't think they have the receiving core for Mac Jones to succeed. Like they have, they have tight ends that are good, but Mac Jones is used to the same stuff that Tua was used to, and you know, Tua last year said that he was not comfortable throwing into into coverage. Like if there, if if a receiver only had a yard of separation, Tua wasn't comfortable throwing that. Mac Jones, I think, will have the same issue where he's too used to throwing to these wide open Alabama receivers, and I don't know if. You know, playing with that Patriots receiving core is going to do him any favors. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Cam does not start the entire year in New oh, England. Oh, no, I, don't I know. think I Mac just Jones feel starts like, eventually. But. I don't know. And I feel like Cam is, is, is better than Mac Jones. But I, I, I just think, like, I don't know. I feel like they want to go back to the kind of Tom Brady way of doing things. And that's why they probably picked him. And I don't know. I, I, I think that we see Mac Jones at some point. I Probably. Think that we see you, they Jones took him 15th point. overall. You figure he starts at some point. But I, 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 would, I would prefer Cam. Just from a talent perspective, from the way they've built their team, from a roster, from a roster perspective, Cam is better suited to run that offense. I'd feel a lot better as a defensive coordinator if the team I was going up against was starting Mac Jones, they're starting Cam Newton week one, barring injury. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not saying maybe week one. I don't know. Maybe it is. I think Mac might be the most likely to actually just straight up start week one, though, because it, it, it seems like a phys, like a like a I had, you know, I had people choice. tell me this exact same thing last year about Jarrett. Stidham. <laughs> okay, Jared Stidham yeah, sucks. No. Jared Stidham is is awful. So, like, so is like Mac Jared Jones. Stidham. But he's just is, he's just more of a no, Patriots guy, right? I know he's more. But Cam Newton is better was, than Mac Jones right now. That is true, but Jared Stidham is not a good quarterback at all. And I'll give you that. I think, like, yeah, he's terrible. Mac Jones is different than Jared Stidham. He is. They drafted him in the first round. Like this is you don't draft someone you think is bad in the first round, and he's over Jared Stidham on the depth chart. So it's it's different. It is very different. But I do think like if you wanted to, if you didn't want to get back to the Tom Brady way of doing thing things, you wouldn't pick Mac Jones. That's in my that's my opinion. Well, I, I could I could say the same thing. If you didn't want to start Cam Newton, you wouldn't bring him back. Like if you didn't I want guess. to do things that way, the yeah. way I see well, it, well, they weren't is, sure that they would be. I don't know, but I don't disagree with sure. you that it. First off, Mac Jones is considerably better than Jared Stidham. I have higher expectations for Mac Jones. I don't want to make like those two things are the exact same. Uh, but I, I feel like that's mismanaging Cam to not start him week one, barring like he looks terrible in camp or he gets injured. Uh, I think that the Patriots go Cam week one and they see how it goes for a little while and. They'll see from there. But Mac Jones starting week one would be pretty tough, I think, for him. 
I think you at least give Cam Newton a chance with the offense that has at least a decent amount of weapons uh, to see what he can do. Because at the end of the day, I think Bill Belichick believes in Cam Newton's talent and and knows that an offense where Cam Newton is playing at his best is probably better than an offense where Mac Jones is playing at his best. I, I would not want to start Mac Jones week one against the Dolphins. So even even if they thought that Mac Jones was a better quarterback going into week one, you probably just start Cam Newton anyway, see what he has, and get that question out of the way. Because if you put Mac Jones in your rookie week one and he doesn't look amazing right away, the Cam Newton, where's Cam Newton? Let's bring in Cam Newton stuff starts immediately. In yeah. their first four weeks, they go Miami, New York. You know, I'm not worried about the Jets. Um, but then they go Saints and Tampa. If I ha- if I want if I started Mac Jones, I'm feeling like that's at best case scenario one in three. What do you feel about Cam Newton? Do you think that's also I, one in three? I, I think maybe they they might get past Miami and they probably get past New Orleans. Miami Miami might be true. Cam beat Miami week one last year too, didn't he? Did they play Miami so, week one? Yeah, I think they did. But. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Um, <laughs> Well, you don't want to talk about Cam Newton versus Mac Jones anymore, Theo? No, I don't. No, no, no. I want to watch. I want to get. I want to get off and watch Drew Lock film. Oh wow, because that that's so much better. That's so much better. (laughs) Well, thank you all for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Just a reminder again, you know, whatever platform you're listening on, whether it be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, make sure you rate, subscribe, review, whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in once again, and uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. (laughs) 